Hello and welcome to Philly and the Over, a brand new Philadelphia-based sports gambling podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Joe Simonera. I'm joined by Shane Curran. Shane, tell us what's on tap for today. Philadelphia 76ers and the NBA playoffs. All right, time to cash in. Well, as you're listening to this, the Sixers are preparing to close out the second round series against the Boston Celtics after uh, a, a pretty impressive win in in game five in Boston to uh, go up three, two on the Celtics. And, you know, Shane, I, I think anyone listening to this has, has probably been pretty uh, locked into to the games and, and sort of knows what's happened. But I, I think just to kick it off, my first question to you is in these past five games what has impressed you most from the Sixers what what has led to them getting up three two against a really good team <laughs> it's similar to I guess what everyone's saying but PJ Tucker truly has just changed like the culture of this team I was at the game on uh, Sunday game four and he does so many little things when he's defending that just like annoy people like the one thing he I noticed that he was doing with his hands was when a guy was in front of him dribbling about to make his move, PJ Tucker put his like fingers right near the guy's eyes so that like it, and and to me like if I'm you just make one wrong him. move you're losing it yeah seriously you're you, if you try and go forward like you're gonna you know stab yourself almost so he was doing a lot of stuff like that and it's really just to like give the other guy looks but he is just like he's like almost like jabbing his hand toward toward the the, the guy with the ball's like face. So it was, it was really interesting to like see that type of stuff. And I think that's, that's where it come in, but it's not just that. I, I think that's carried, carried forward. I mean, in game five, like Tobias Harris getting offensive rebounds, uh, guys jumping for loose balls, like a lot of that type of stuff that I think was just like lacking last year. Uh, there's more of a confidence this year. And in terms of like, can we close it out down the stretch? And my, my answer is yes. Yeah, and Tyree Smaxey made the comment uh, yesterday. Somebody asked him a question about just the maturity of the team compared to uh, compared to last year and then even years you know prior. And um, he basically said like they got to camp and Joel Embiid was sort of a different person mm-hmm. um, in in terms of his his level of maturity. And, and they kind of knew from the jump like all right, he's he's really all business this year. And you know he's rewarded with an MVP. Uh, you mentioned Tobias Harris, and and if you had asked me the same question, I would say that that's who I'm most impressed with is, is Harris. He he he's just played really well in just about every game. Even even what was a game two they got blown out. It was that two. Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, even in that game, he was like the only guy who played well. It, it, he's just been really really consistent. He's been like you said, he's he's been crashing the boards. He's he's getting a lot of rebounds. Uh, you know, he's using his size to his advantage, which everyone wants to see Tobias Harris do. Um, so, I, you know, I think he's looked he's looked really good and, and he's been a, a big part of this. Um, the other thing that struck me was last night, everyone. Uh, well, actually, two things on your P.J. Tucker point um, watching the game last night. It seemed like I, I just got to a point. Where I'm like, man, Jalen Brown isn't missing a shot. Like, yeah, what the hell is Tucker doing? So good. But then I realized he only had like eight shots in the first half or, or seven shots in the first half. And he was five of seven, but yeah. it's like, Oh, Tucker's not even letting me get the ball. Yeah. Cause, cause they've, they really have not uh, here and there, but they really have not deviated from Harris on Tatum and Tatum's just an incredible player. But I think Harris has done, you know, enough. And, and even some games he's been very good on, on Tatum and, and Tucker on, on Brown, which is a really tough guard. He's, he's another really, really good player, but these guys are doing enough to, to, to get by it. And you're essentially, you know, P.J. Tucker's not expected to do anything on the offensive end, so just running around after after Brown, all of his energy can be expended on the defensive end, which is uh, kind of in a weird way. You're playing, you know, with four guys on offense, but you know it's an advantage. So 
Um, I think that, that that's another thing that, that, that stuck out. Now, last night, everyone's saying, ah, oh, signature game from Embiid. What did he have, 33 and 9 or something? Yeah. That's a game. So, that's, a game. that's nothing. Let, let's that's jump nothing. back that's to nothing. game one. Let's start with game one. We'll go in chronological order because we, we have to give Harden his, his credit for, for game <laughs> one, right? Yeah. The, the level of play that he had in that game, the one thing that jumped out to me, and I can't imagine that this has been practiced as like a team for the Sixers, but the one play that jumped out for me from that game is it was toward the end of the first half and they finally threw a double at Harden like as he crossed half court. And I noticed this, I think, in Harden's like last year in, in Houston, where when they start to double him, he'd always make the right pass. So as soon as they double him at half court, he'd get the ball out of his hands and just hope that the other guys did the right thing. So when they doubled him, Harden immediately passed it to Melton, who cut toward the foul line. So Melton gets it, turns around, kicks out to Harris, and Harris nailed that three. That three that he made uh, to close that first half was was so huge. I think just yep. from like the confidence that Harden had in, in the rest of the team. is because Harden's been on Harris hard on him all year long. So to see that happen, that was, you know, that that, that was just great. And and obviously to, to have that win without Embiid, you get the letdown in game two. Um, but the, the thing that jumped out to me in game two was really just Embiid's defense. Those like free cuts to yes. the basket that they were yes. getting. Yes. They were second guessing it. They were driving and kicking a lot. Um, and, and Tame's actually been doing that all series long. He has not made many, uh, layups around the rim. Yeah, that was uh, kind of a real, like they got blown out in the game and, and, you know, I was talking to somebody and they said it would almost be concerning if like the Celtics didn't win that game big. Like, yeah. are, are we that much better? Cause I, we're not. But it, it almost kind of felt that way. But just seeing Embiid, you know, it looked like he had a pretty good range of motion on some of those block shots. Like he was, he was moving, he was jumping, he was landing. Um, a lot of times he was landing on the ground, but you know, uh, it's Embiid. But just seeing that he's okay, uh, you know, that really inspired some confidence in, in me moving forward. Like, okay, this guy's going to be okay. And I, you know, I do think that I'm I'm against calling you know. Uh, game five, a signature game, but some of the defensive plays he made, the guy's, you know, just about as good as he's going to be. And he didn't have the knee brace last night. I think he had like a smaller sleeve on or something they said. Yeah. Um, so ga- game so, two, yeah, he's mobile. right before that's when he won the MVP. So what was your reaction yeah. to that announcement? Uh, yeah, I mean, just super, super well-deserved. Uh, I do think that, uh, you know, there, there are people around the league who uh, didn't, necessarily understand what Embiid does night in night out and, and just how how good he is and that is almost evidenced by everyone being like oh my god Embiid in game five like I don't know 33 nine four blocks that, that's a game that that's why the guy's yeah. MVP because he does that just night in night out uh, so I think it was you know certainly certainly deserved uh and you know I I said I don't I didn't think Embiid cared about it I didn't think anyone really cared about it but uh you oh, know, no, the video of him finding out it. he is breaking down in tears and somebody said in his press conference, MVP press conference, like you said, you didn't care, but come on, man, you like broke down in tears. He was like, oh, I care. I just don't want you guys asking me about it all year. <laughs> so um, he said, I kind of told the, the media that I didn't care, but, uh, but yeah, it obviously meant a whole lot to him. So, uh, you know, happy for him. I mean, it's, it's awesome to have, uh, you know, have, have another MVP in, in Philly. It's, it's a really, it's always a cool thing when, when that happens. So that and a guy a- and a guy who's deserved it for like three years, you know? He very well could have won it. He so. could have won it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Jokic, you can make the case. I mean, watching him play the past few few games, you Man, can make the case that he's still right there. And he's, you know, when you look I, at the votes and be so when they did the last straw poll, which is like an indication, they do it a few times throughout the years and they get the media voters, their perspective of, hey, if you were to vote right now, who would it be in the last straw poll? Uh, which I think has predicted the last like 10 MVPs, yeah. they've uh 
and they had Embiid winning, but it was by like a single vote. Like if one of those first place switched to second place or vice versa, it, it would have been different. When the final votes came out, though, Embiid won. I don't want to say by a landslide, but it wasn't even close. I mean, the second and third place were closer together than the first and second place. So Embiid ended up with 73 of the first place votes, 25 second and two third place votes. Yeah, I mean, that's that's those are I was surprised by the breakdown. I was also surprised. I think somebody had Jokic outside of the top four, which is just uh, bizarre to me. But I also think, you know, a lot of the basketball writers, they you know they're they're kind of oh, yeah. In this... There was there was one voter that didn't have him in the top five. In the top five, it was okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Do you, do you have who it was? We should be putting that name on blast. I I do not, but I I yeah. will absolutely find out. It's pretty wild, right? But uh, you know, I think that there there is some kind of air of like uh, a lot of the basketball writers do do get into those real deep analytics, and and a lot don't. But yeah. but I think you're almost perceived as square if you're just using you know your eye test to to pick the MVP. Uh, a lot of great players again. Uh, shame on the NBA for for doing the All NBA teams the way they do. They were announced today, and uh, the first team, you know, Embiid's the first team center, of course, and Jokic is the second team center yeah. when he's the second best player in the league. It just doesn't. It's it's just so stupid. But but yeah, so uh, I, have, I, I digress. I have something to talk about that. But with the with the rest of these votes, the other one that jumped out to me, and I remember Shaq mentioning this. Like Shaq's still upset that the one year he would have been the first unanimous MVP. Instead, I think it would end up being Steph Curry a few years later. But Shaq would have been the first one. But there is a writer from Atlanta who voted Allen Iverson in that 2001 series, uh, he gave him the a first place vote. So it was like 99 to one. And Shaq's like pissed off about it because he he said right. like it, it shouldn't have ended up like that. There's two votes here that jumped out to me. The one, John Moran had a fifth place vote. And for a guy that like tanked their season, that, yeah, that, that, that really jumped out to me. The other was uh, DeMontis Sabonis had a fifth place vote. Uh, a, a little more understandable than, than Ja, but still insane. I well, mean, still crazy. Well, Fox had. Um, I, I, Fox I wonder. Had I wonder if that voter is, and I'm not making any kind of comment here, but I just wonder if he is from like Latvia or Lithuania, wherever um, Sabonis is from. You know, uh, I'm mistaken. So he had a fourth place vote and 24 fifth place votes. Okay. Wow. Well, whereas, yeah, it's kinda... whereas Fox only had two fourth place votes and two fifth place votes. Yeah, yeah. I, I was surprised to see that. That is a little odd. Yeah. 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 Sabonis is a great player. I mean, he was an all star, I think, for the first time this year. So he kind of wrote on that. Um, I think he was third team all NBA, but yeah, that, that, you know, he's a really good player. So you mentioned the, the all star uh, selections coming out today or the all NBA teams coming out today. So the all NBA first team was Shea Girl, Just Alexander, Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum, uh, Giannis, and Joel Embiid with the first. The second team was Donovan Mitchell, Steph Curry, Jalen Brown, Jimmy Butler, Nikola Jokic. And the third team was De'Aaron Fox, Damian Lillard, LeBron James, Julius Randle, and Tamantis Sabonis. The one name that really jumps out to me is Jalen Brown, because this really dictates the futures, the future of the Celtics. Because he made an all-NBA team, he's now eligible for Supermax. And the Supermax is worth up to five years, $295 million, which is almost $60 million a year, $59 million a year. That is, that's a lot of money for Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown's impressed me this, this playoff series. I mean, he is, he is legit, but right now he's on a $25 million contract, which allows the Celtics yeah. to have all these other guys, the, the Brogdon's, the Derek White's, the, uh, even Al Horford's once he's on that, once Tatum's on that contract, I mean, they're gonna have to get rid of some of those guys. Well, you know, I think it's interesting because we'll get back to, you know, the, the, the 
most recent games, but, and, and again, not predicting anything, but if uh, the Sixers do beat the Celtics, I, I don't know that they're going to keep uh, the kid Missoula as the coach. And I think they're going to have a lot of decisions. Um, you know, I don't think it's where, you know, you're, you're not the Milwaukee Bucks and you didn't lose to the eighth seed as a one seed. You lost to the MVP of the league, uh, a top 50 player in the history of basketball, a coach who's probably in the top 10 of wins at this point. Um, you know, a guy in Maxi who's, who's an emerging star uh, and you're playing in front of Philadelphia fans in a couple of games where it's really hard. So this was a tough series. If, even if, if the Celtics do, in fact, you know, lose to the Sixers in the series. Um, but I think there are going to be a lot of decisions to be made. And that's going to, that's going to be a big part of it. What, what do we do here? We have, you know, these guys, we have to pay. Mm-hmm. What, what do we do? So yeah, they're going to have a lot of decisions to make, uh, you know, even if they win the, if they win the finals, they're going to have a lot of decisions to make yeah, uh, sure. in, in the off season for sure. So um, yeah, so that'll be, that'll be interesting to track, but yeah, it's uh yeah, it's 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 an honor, and but I'm sure some teams start sweating it when they see their their guys' oh, names absolutely. come up on there. The um the last thing I want to get to before we jump to the most recent games, game two, I think it may have it may have been game three as well, but I noticed it mostly in game two. Did you see the drone flying around the uh, garden? What the hell? What was that? So they they were trying out a new camera, and it's it's pretty much so they had drone footage, so they had the normal camera, but then they also uh-huh. had a drone a camera flying in front of the normal camera, so everyone's distracted. Yeah, so that okay. drone should cool, have been cool. on the other if they're going to try that it should be on the other side of the court. But I guess what they were trying to do is switch between the drone and the normal view. But when they did that, the, <laughs> the drone camera wasn't steady. Like I almost had an aneurysm trying to watch that thing. So the, I do remember the weird. I I don't like any weird angles. Like I don't like the angle that's behind the basket. I don't. I don't. Yeah. Or not behind the basket. Like, that's behind the behind the plate behind the, facing the basket. Yeah. Uh, like I don't like any of that stuff. But yeah, I I kept thinking like, is that like a glitch like on my TV? Is there is there something like in the stadiums like a fan's throwing? Like I couldn't tell what it was. I thought it may have been you know like the link at NFL games. They have those. Uh, I think they're called spider cams or something like that where they're mm-hmm. on the wires. You know. Yep. And but you really can't see them on. T- you never see them on TV. As no, a matter of fact. No. Um. Yeah. So I thought it may have been something like that. But I kind of didn't. I. I. I never saw them in an NBA arena before. So um, yeah, that was distracting as hell. And uh, yeah, if it, it, I don't think it works. <laughs> I think they have some kinks to work out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. So moving on to the most recent games, game four was obviously, we'll talk about the wins here. So the yeah. game four went to overtime. Harden makes an incredible three pointer. And then the Celtics don't get a shot off as time expires. What were your takeaways from that game? Um Working from the last shot back, I, I did have, you know, sort of flashbacks to the Celtics Sixers game in Boston where I beat through the shot from, you know, the other end it with no time left and just just didn't have enough time. Um, I was standing pretty much nose to nose. I, I don't want to hear your thoughts because you were, you were there and kind of ha- how that all played out. But I was standing nose, you know, nose to nose with my TV. So I, I knew I, I mean, I knew right away the shot was was I, I didn't even see it go in. Honestly, I just kind of turned because I knew he did not get it off in time regardless. Um, smart that is so, uh, but you know, working back, it, it should not have, not have gotten to that point. It, it really shouldn't have. The Sixers just were unable. And, and look, they were not really to an extent. I think that when the Sixers get up 16, they never get it to 25. Yeah. They go back down to eight and then win by 11. You know, that's kind of what happened last game. You know, this game, the game, game four, they, they had some nice leads and you kept thinking they're going to just, they're going to just blow them out. That's going to be a 30 point win. And, and it just, it just kept, kept, you know, the walls kept closing in a little more, a little more, a little more. And for that game to have gone to overtime, I was shocked. And when it got, got, you know, I think the Sixers went down five points at one point in overtime or at the end of the fourth quarter where they had to come back from. And it was like, they're, they're going to lose this game. Like, this is incredible. But something, something different about this team. Yeah. They, so they what, keep what fighting. Was, 
what would before we forget what was your so you're you're in the arena and smart oh, yeah. has that shot what what is going on well, what are you looking at? What you, what's going on there? What, what were your thoughts right right away? So the guy I was with had a video. So I, I lucked out, uh, was sitting third row behind the Celtics bench. And that was the end that the Marcus Smart was shooting the ball. When he shot the ball, I knew when Tatum kicked it out and he shot the ball that he didn't get off. That was my initial thought. Sixers when he didn't get it off. Yeah. But when, when it went through the basket, there was that moment of hesitation to just be like, just to make sure. And the first person I looked at was Marcus Smart, and he was walking off the court. Very yeah, reminiscent knew. of Embiid in that yes. game when he knew it didn't leave his hand. So I was just yelling, like, he knows he didn't get off. He knows he didn't get off. And then a few seconds later, they put it up on the scoreboard, and the whole yeah. the whole crowd went nuts. Yeah, but you, you kind of got that on TV. Yeah, they put it up but there. But it was, yeah, it was like this. When Tatum kicked it out, I just knew they didn't have enough time because they didn't get to that set. But, I mean, for me, that's Tatum has to take that shot, right? Like, yes. that's been my, one of the, the biggest takeaways I've had from the series is, Tatum hasn't been like, like the Sixers are running a Joel Embiid, James Harden pick and roll on, I don't know the percentage, but it seems like 80% of the plays that they're on the court together. Yeah. And scoring every time. It's, it's yeah. incredible. And Tatum like just hasn't really like called for the ball. He hasn't really tr like, it doesn't really seem like he's there. Maybe they're not calling plays for him or he's not being aggressive enough. It seems like they're still just sharing the ball too much. And it, it takes me back to like, like when we played against Kawhi, Okay, the last 10 minutes of the fourth quarter, yeah. Kawhi's going to have the ball in his hands. He's probably going to shoot 8% of the time. Like, you see that with other teams, like, when toward the end of the game. and Miami, just, for example, who yeah, we might so run into. Yeah. I'm just expecting Tatum to to do that, and it just it really hasn't happened yet. And the other thing that, that really is, I don't want to say concern me about Tatum, but when he has driven the lane, he hasn't challenged to be at the rim once. Every time Embiid shows that he's going to, yeah. you know, attempt to contest... Tatum kicks it out. Yep. The the big challenge was Jalen Brown, and and that was one of I think Embiid's best blocks of all time. I'm not talking about. Uh, I think this happened in game. Yes. Yeah, so game four. four. Yep. Yes. That yep. block was incredible. Actually, uh, that uh, that may block, have been game three. That may have been game three where he uh, Brown tried to dunk on him. Tried to dunk on him. Yes. yes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so that was insane. And then uh, of course the block the block last night was was great. But uh, um, you know I I, I do think that Tatum has that ability because he showed it. He showed it in flashes, but it's never the last 10 minutes of the game. He like, or the last five minutes of the game, even it, like the Sixers get up in the third quarter. I don't know. They're up 17 or something. And he probably had like six bucket buckets in a row where it wasn't, you know, nothing, nothing too hard for him. He, he gets really aggressive. And, and I know that, you know, the commentator, I think it was Reggie Miller last night was, was commenting on it as was happening. And, and, you know, the Sixers certainly do make adjustments and say, all right, we can't let this guy just keep score every single time. Yeah. And, and they'll do some different things there. Uh, but he he has that ability. He's one of the you know uh, the top five players in the NBA apparently, according to uh, the All NBA First Team. So he has that ability. But you're you're right. He just it seems like at the end of games it just has not been there for him. And I, I don't know what the real explanation for that is. Yeah. So earlier in the segment, as we move on to Game Five, you you asked me you know what was some of the biggest takeaways for this series so far. So the one play that really jumped out to me from last game was game five was that Harden had a turnover where he's going around a Paul Reed pick and he got his pocket picked and the ball was going up toward half court. There's about three Celtics going for it. And Paul Reed dove on the ground with Marcus oh, yeah. Smart. He gets the ball. It gets called for a jump ball. So first off, 
good for Paul Reed in the five he, minutes he's in there to to put his like nose in there against Marcus Smart because Marcus Smart always does it. So did not did not want another tongue lashing for PJ Tucker on the no. bench. He, he knew he better get his ass on the ground to get that get that ball. But that wasn't the best the best play. As that play continues, so now it's a jump ball. He wins the jump ball, which goes to Harden. Yep. Sixers get the ball back with five seconds left, and Harden bangs a three. Yep. So that play that should have been a, a Celtics fast break because of his hustle turned into a five point swing. Yeah. And even even just just on that on that play, I, you know, those are Paul Reed. You know, he played a lot of game one. He played, you know, I think he he struggled a little bit defensively. He was a little bit lost out there. Got it together. Played really well. Made four massive foul shots in game one. Since Embiid's gotten back, he obviously his role diminishes a little bit, and it's diminished a little bit more and more each game. But even in the time he gets in there to make a play like that, you know, Daniel House is. is the example that everyone everyone will go to where the guy comes in and scores 10 points off the bench yeah. and hasn't played in like three months. Um, there's things like that that have to happen and they always happen for teams that, that go far in, yep. in, in any sport. Honestly, you saw it happen with the Phillies, uh, you know, in their world series run quite a lot uh, where, you know, maybe a little bit of an unsung guy, Bryson Stott lacing a double to win a game. Uh, yep. Nick Castellanos playing really well in the field. Those kind of things you don't expect. Um, but those little things that happen, they, they, they do add up. And, and that's, you know, we go back to PJ Tucker. He's, he's, very big on those little, little things that make big differences. And that's why the guy's got a bunch of championship rings, honestly. Um, but yeah, th- those things are huge. Absolutely huge. The other things from game five. So we talked about PJ Tucker's impact, uh, Harris being hungry. I mean, he had a, he had a handful of fails, so he, he didn't play as much as it actually gave house the opportunity to play, uh, yeah. but Harris was so aggressive. And I think getting those offensive rebounds really helped limit the Celtics ability and in, in transition, which has really killed us so far this uh, this season. The other thing, as I talked about, just, you know, Tatum not challenging Embiid at the rim. Brown has been the only one to really challenge Embiid at the rim. He's tried a few times. He's got blocked a few times, but he's got, you know, his money a few times. So as I look at this series and I'm thinking like, okay, what should Boston do? Like, what should their adjustment be going into these extra games? I mean, the main thing I would say is Tatum and Brown, because of how tall they are now, how athletic they should challenge Embiid as frequently as possible at the rim because, you know, I'm not going to say half the time, but 25% of the time Embiid gets a foul, he's going to stop attempting to block them. Like, they should be trying to get him in foul trouble by attacking him at the rim, and they can really get by the the perimeter players. You know, aside from P.J. Tucker, yeah. they can really get by the perimeter players pretty easily. Um, you know, they might get embarrassed a few times. Maybe that's why they're not doing it. But in order to win the game, I think the, the goal is to get Embiid out. Yeah, I, th- I think that that you know, if you can if you can limit his minutes, take him off the court, then then yeah, you're you're in, you're in much better shape. Um, I, I think that you know Al Horford just being horrible, just awful in the series, and his worst game was was Game Five, where uh, the guy just had zero points and zero for seven from three. Um, you know, I think that early on he did some nice things defensively against MB, but obviously can't really. You can't really control them, but you know I think the way that the Celtics are playing, it's it's Derek White is not doing anything. Al Horford is not doing anything. Marcus Smart has been been fairly good offensively. You know Tatum probably had his best game scoring wise last night. He had thirty six. I think Brown was twenty four last night. Um, they are playing in, in in such a way where like Tatum and Brown are really the only you know the only guys that you really have to really. And we talked about this before the series began. Like let one of those guys beat you and control the other one. Good examples last night. Tatum had 36 on you. You know, you, you held Brown to 24. Fair amount of points, but it's not 50 and 30. You know what I mean? So I think that that's, that's kind of a, 
you know, a, a key, but you're right. Th those two guys have to be extremely aggressive. They have to, you know, figure out ways to, to penetrate uh, score. But even when they're penetrating, if they're penetrating and kicking to, to white smart, uh, there's going to have to be guys that knock down shots. And, you know, they really haven't had that from Warford yet. So when he's out of the lane and, and they're able to, to drive with a little bit less congestion, if the kick out is to him, he's probably not going to make that three. I mean, he had basically six wide open looks last night, missed six of them. One was contested and he missed that. So um, it, it's, it's a tough, tough spot for them, for those guys to be in. And, you know, they're, they're both really good scorers and really, really good players. So I, I wouldn't shock me if, if they come in and, you know, come into Philly and they play well and win. Uh, but yeah, they're going to have to do it in different ways than, than they have. Yeah. I think, I think it really, if, if the Celtics are to come back in the series, it's, it's those three pointers that you mentioned. Like Al Horford was what, 0 for 7 last game, but they were seven wide open three point shots. If he knocks down three of those, I mean, and if, you know, I don't think, uh, what's it called? Uh, Malcolm Brown has missed, <laughs> missed the shot all. all uh, Bro it's yeah, Brogdon, Brogdon is uh, Brogdon, playing, yeah. playing really uh, well. And um, uh, the, the the good thing that I noticed, and I, I don't know if this goes to Doc or if this is just the recognition on the court, maybe, maybe it's, you know, Tobias Harris, but. Brogdon has been playing extremely well offensively, but in order to get him off the court, like you need to attack him as much as possible on the defensive end. And that's the one thing where they'll be putting him on, on uh, Harris and Harris has backed him down and, you know, he calls for the ball, he backs him down and he gets his little, you know, 15, 10, 15 footer over the top because he's, he's taller than him. He can get that shot off. So I really like seeing that. And I, I don't know if that's coaching, but the, in the last game when they, it seems like the Celtics tried to, you know, uh, a Hail Mary at the end, putting in a uh, Peyton Pritchard to yeah. me, that's they put him in with the rest of the stars. So it's not like they were just putting him in for the ability to, you know, uh, give him a few minutes. I think they're actually trying to come back and he, he ended up hitting some shots later in the game when half the stars were out. But to me, that's where coaching should come into play more often. At that point, the Sixers were up 15 in that instance, Harden's on the floor you have to do everything in your power to get that switch so that hardens on Pritchard yeah. and he takes him one, one. And you, you continue to do that until like Pritchard can't guard Harden. There's he just can't do it. He can destroy you. He can hit three threes in a row, but if he can't, you know, if the Sixers continue to score and it, to me, it just seemed like the Sixers were trying to kill the clock rather than like take some of the, the open yeah, opportunities no. that they had. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was really, I think they got it to maybe 11 Boston did. And then Maxi hit a three, uh, to, to go back up 14. And then I think uh, PJ Tucker had another three, did, which is yeah. essentially the dagger. Um, PJ yeah, Tucker that, threes. They, they just feel like they're worth more than three points. I, I really, I know they do. And he literally, I mean, I've never seen that guy shoot a basketball from anywhere, but the corners Yeah, uh, ever just nowhere, nowhere else. It's insane. Um, so yeah, game, uh, game six. I, I saw something online. The last, uh, the last time the Sixers had an opportunity to clinch a playoff series at home in game six, was uh, against the Bulls when when Derrick Rose got hurt. Ooh, and yeah. you remember what happened? Uh, Iguodala made two free Iguodala's throws. Iguodala's free throws, yep. You were at that game, correct? No, I was not. No, I was not. So I, I had tickets, and uh, I guess that was 2011. Uh, I should say I had tickets. I was I was offered a ticket, but I had, uh, I had some kind of, like, final exam or, or some paper I had to write or something. I ended up not going to the game. And, but the, the, the ironic thing is my, my rationale was like, I'm going to watch the entire game, but it's like the hour there and back that I'll have. Yeah. And study it. I, I probably didn't write the paper the next yeah. morning anyway, you know, just such a stupid, stupid decision. But uh, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty, 
pretty. Uh, I pretty still cool. remember the Zigadala free throws. They were two of the prettiest free throws I've ever seen because they and, had and such had... arc on them. He put yeah. so much arc on that thing; it almost dropped straight through without touching the net. He was like a sixty-seven percent free throw shooter that year. If you remember, he was he was not a good free throw shooter that that season. And he and he got up there and made made you know they were down they were down two and he made the first a tie, which was like awesome. The other thing was I can't remember who shot it, but the guy in the Bulls had a half court heave that hit back iron. Like it was very close to banking it or going in. So, um, yeah, no, but this will be, uh, it, it's just, it's awesome to have. Uh, it'll be a lot of energy down there. And then, uh, then you go into a weekend of Taylor Swift. So it's going to be, it's going to be a crazy, uh, crazy few days at the, uh, the sports complex. Do you think she's going to ring the bell? There's a big thing. Uh, seeing if she's in no, town trying to get her to ring no, the bell. No, she's not going to ring the bell. You have a guess who's going to ring the bell? Yeah, a lot of people want. I've seen a lot of people, and I would love it. Andrew Tony, who you know was a Boston Strangler, was it was his nickname. Oh, that's but a good one. That's he's like, one. I think he's kind of a kind of keeps to himself these days. So I'm not sure if uh, it'll be him. AI is always a good one, but you got to get him to the arena. Yes, yeah, so. you got to get him there early. Uh, maybe Michael Parsons. I saw him at the game. Oh, on, uh, oh yeah. What was that? Oh. On, uh, he's wearing a maxi jersey. He was the game you were at game four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was there with like uh, I think two rappers. Yeah, little baby. Wait, speak, speaking and, of, I don't know who else. Speaking of which, I was, I was uh, real quick. I was, I was telling about the story. So uh, I forget, I forget what it was. You had, you had like, it was, I think it was a Sixers home opener and you had some sort of, it was some sort of club box thing where we went in like the VIP entrance. Yeah. And this was probably like 2012, 2013, whatever. So you were like, just meet me at this, the VIP entrance. So I, I go there and I'm, it's literally like, it's outside, you know, there's like a little lobby thing. And I'm just kind of standing there and this dude walks by and he's just like just covered in gold chains and like just dressed like crazy. And you come like shortly after and I was like, oh, my God, he just missed this guy. He was like covered in these chains and stuff. And like it was just crazy. And I didn't know who it was. And uh, then they show him on the Jumbotron. I was like, oh, that was a guy. And it was Meek Mill. <laughs> Meek Mill walked <laughs> right by me. I had no idea who he was. Yeah, those were the days. When I got those, those were tickets. the days. Place your bets. Moving on to the rest of the NBA. The Sixers aren't the only team that has the opportunity to close out in the Eastern Conference tonight. So by the time everyone listens to this, this game will already be over. So we'll just touch on this briefly. But the Knicks are down three to one to the Heat. And Jimmy Buckets is doing it again in the playoffs. I mean, this team, you talk about a team that has toughness between him, Kyle Lowry, like I, I hate. As a Villanova fan, I truly hate watching him play because of the amount of flopping that he does. Ooh. But he he truly like pisses off every single person on the other team. Uh, it's 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 really a talent that he has. It's it's so frustrating to watch play. You get to thirty seven years old, you got to figure out you got to figure out ways to to keep doing it. And and that's you know he, he's he's kind of figured out his sort of savvy veteran stuff, which is it's it's frustrating to watch. But uh, um, speaking of Nova though, how about that this series? You got Brunson, you got Hart, you got uh. You got mm -hmm. Lowry all on the same series. Pretty, pretty, uh, pretty incredible. Um, right now, though, that game is in the second quarter, 36, 34, the heater up. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I think the Knicks figure out a way to win this game at home. Um, I, I, it would just be, it would be really impressive for the heat to close out, uh, uh, to close out New York at, at Madison square garden. And if they do, then if you're the Sixers, you better win on oh, Thursday. Yeah. You, you got win that game uh, it'd be um, so nice to win that and then get some get some rest get some rest absolutely so uh yeah that that's been an interesting series so far but it, it's really been you know uh bronson's been good rj barrett continues to impress me and then jimmy butler is jimmy butler in the playoffs it's it's just incredible the other game tonight that has the opportunity to close out the lakers are playing the golden state warriors the lakers are up 3-1 golden state is an eight point favorite at home tonight all right so here's been my pattern uh Around like nine o'clock, I will put a bet in on the, on the Warriors. 
of course, you know, whatever money line, if, if they're, if they're plus or, or I'll take the points. Uh, and then I, I wake up around, you know, three 30 in the morning to get to a piss. I look at my phone and the Lakers have won and it's happened three times. And I don't understand how it's happening. I, I just don't get it. I, I understand LeBron James, but I mean, this is, this is, this is wild. If the Lakers, this would be a shock to me if the Lakers won this series. And this I know the Warriors. That shocking to me. Really? Wait, did you take the Lakers? You may have taken the Lakers actually uh, when we kind of broke it down before the playoffs started. I think, I, know, I think we each I think we each had yeah. the Warriors for sure. Did you, you have the Lakers and playing the Warriors though? You may have. Uh yeah, I need to check. I, I know I hit one of those uh those underdogs early on. I had the Lakers. No, I had the Lakers beating uh the uh Grizzlies, where you had the Grizzlies wing that yes. series. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, right. But uh yeah, I think I mean I'm not too surprised by it because like Kerry still has it. Clay his defense isn't the same, right? And no, no, that's, if, if you just look at yeah. the, it's really just come down to the depth and, you know, Russell's had a game for, for the Lakers. Um, we know that, uh, what's his name? Uh, Lonnie Walker had a game for the Lakers. Uh, yeah, uh, Reeves just... has, has had a game for the Lakers. Yep. Whereas in the reverse, it's, it's all carry. Like, yeah, Clay's playing well, Draymond's playing well, but on offense, it's, it's carry and they don't have that same depth of scoring. So, you know, LeBron's going to get his Davis is going to get his and Davis has had some ups and downs, but Davis has played extremely well in the series. Um, when I look at the Western conference and, and, you know, we'll get to the, the other teams, the, the nuggets and Suns who are playing tomorrow. I mean, just like who scares you the most of their remaining, uh, Western conference teams. It, it's going to be, well, I mean, we can, we can kind of jump to it. So the Nuggets have a chance to close out. I think the Suns win in Phoenix though. Uh, it's whoever wins that series. If I had to pick a team, I would say the Nuggets are going to win that series, um, which, which was not my pick going into it, but the way that the way that Jokic has looked, they, they've been playing really, really well. So, you know, I, I said Suns Celtics, I believe finals. And I think you may have had either Philly Nuggets or Philly, Philly Suns. Suns. Okay. Yeah. But I, but looking at it now, I think the Nuggets are the, the better team i'm surprised uh but but that's who that's who i fear the most could you i mean just a, a, a Jokic. i don't even want to get i don't want to talk about it but a Jokic mv finals would just i mean i <laughs> couldn't think of anything i would enjoy more yeah i i mean two centers in the game you know that uh especially hearing like the tnt commentator with Shaq and uh charles talking about oh. big men back oh. oh my god that'd be uh that'd be glorious so uh, i i'm sorry with you i mean at this point the the six are still like the Celtics are still so dangerous. They start hitting some threes and, you know, they could get six, get blown up by 20. Uh, so I, I'm hoping the Sixers closes out in six. And I think the Sixers match up well against the Heat. I know they have Jimmy Butler, but with PJ Tucker now on yeah. that team, I'm not as afraid of of the uh, the Heat. So I, I have either the Celtics or the Sixers, whoever win this, still coming out of the East. In the West, I'm with you. I have Nuggets or Suns, whoever wins that coming out. Um, I had the Suns as well going into it, but at this point with them up three, three, two on the Suns, it's, it's tough to bet against them. Vegas is taking a similar mindset to, to what we're talking about here because the Nuggets are actually favored to win the championship right now, plus 290. The Sixers are slightly behind them at plus 300, the Lakers plus 380 and the Celtics, even though they're down, uh, right now they are right. fourth on the list at plus yeah. 400. Yeah. I, I mean, there's almost value. I, I think that's where the value would be on, on, on the Celtics, honestly. Um, plus 400. Because if they win, if, if the Celtics win tomorrow night, they're going to be the favorite to win the finals again. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, the Sixers were the favorite to win for three hours uh, last <laughs> night. <laughs> they, were, they were plus 290 until uh, the Nuggets won. Yeah. I, um, if After I think the Heat went up 2-1 on the Bucks, I put in a, a future on them. 
uh, at plus 60 or 65 to one. So wow. I have a nice little, little future on them and it oh, looks yeah. like they're going to get out of the series. So that yeah. might be one that I can start to hedge out of. Yeah, absolutely. It's exciting times. Place your bets. For Joe Simonera, I'm Shane Curran. That's all for today's show. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Remember, rate, review, subscribe, and always bet on yourself. Philly and the Over is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe?